Welcome back to the Bread and Butter Podcast. I'm your host, Brecklin, and I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for being here. We're just back to chat, and today I have an episode that I've been really excited about. Um, But before we get into that, let's talk on a few key points of my week. Um, I've, I mean, I, in the past, I've been doing this kind of want, eat, watch, read. I'm moving away from that just a little bit, just from like the very basic structure of it. Well, well, that's not true. We still will have the basic structure of want, eat, watch, read if you've been around since the beginning. Um, but it's not going to be as tight or as strict. Um, so big news. I have discovered the best burger of my life. It is probably... I've had some really good burgers. I love, love a good burger. One of my fondest memories as a kid um, was talking about this kind of dream burger place that me and my dad wanted to open. It was his original dream and I kind of caught on. It was going to be like vintage and he, we would dream up burger sauces together. I would make them with him. We'd dream up all these combinations Um, I remember coming home from long trips with my mom and he would be at home making like just the best burgers. I'm talking like butter burgers with incredible sauces, caramelized onions, like the whole nine yards. And yeah, I just have like really good memories around burgers, like burgers and good fries. And me and Trenton finally found this place here in North Carolina that is phenomenal. Found it on a recommendation And it is the cutest. Every time we've gone, besides, except for one, it has been pouring rain. And just the atmosphere is incredible. You go in and there's like a little, almost like greenhouse that you eat in. You go into this tiny little shack and you order your burger. And then you go sit and wait in this, yeah, like this greenhouse. And it's always pouring rain. And it's just so, so cozy. And here's what I have on my burger. Just in case you're wondering, I do always get my burger done well. And I've always been kind of insecure about that. Like, am I not a real burger lover if my burger is never done medium? But I like it well. That's how I like it. So cooked cooked well, scratch the lettuce because it always gets soggy. I'm not interested. Um, Tomatoes are fine. Caramelized onions are a must. And here's the other thing that has changed the game caramelized onions with an incredible aioli. And if you're new to the mayonnaise game, aioli is like a seasoned mayonnaise. If you don't like mayonnaise, you probably will still like aioli. And so I get this really incredible garlic aioli that just is to die for. So the caramelized onions, the garlic aioli, it is so, so good. And we went probably twice in the last two weeks. It's like a half an hour drive for us totally worth it. It's one of those like getaways where you feel like you're like out of town, but you're only like 20 minutes away and we just loved it. So yes, probably the best burger of my life and I've eaten a lot of burgers. So a big highlight for me, big things happening over here. We are still on our Schitt's Creek grind. Um, Really loving that. I can't believe we didn't find it earlier. We also watched Casablanca this past weekend and that was a first for me. It wasn't for Trenton. He'd seen it in like for some reason, he found like the best class of all time in high school. He took like a film studies course and they watched Casablanca. I'd never seen it. 
It was not what I was expecting, I will say, but I did really appreciate it. Other just random Saturday things for us today. I'm recording this on a Saturday. Um, Got up and shot three different recipes. I feel like I'm finally getting into kind of my groove of batch working video content, which is something that we'll cover in today's episode because I really want to talk about it. But yeah, I usually would only get out like one to two recipes and today I was feeling good, busted out three. So we're all set for the week. Um, and that will be coming later just in my Instagram feed throughout the week. Um, we went to the dog park. That's becoming one of our new Saturday things is the dog park. We're becoming dog park people and I'm totally here for it. I don't know. It's just, I mean, we don't have kids and so I get it. Like I know it's like, oh, okay, you took your child to the dog park. I'm like, yeah, we love to take Benny to the dog park. He get, he knows exactly where we are. He gets so excited when we pull up. He'll like make these little crying noises. And then you just get to kind of hang out with like really nice people and you know, like ask about their dog's name and how old they are. And it's just so fun to be with other people whose personalities are like, I love my dog like a child. Say what you will, judge if you must, but the dog park is where you will find the primest of humans. Um, I will say though, I did get a little bit mauled at the dog park. There's a big dog park and there's a little dog park and nothing makes me more upset than when people bring their huge dogs to the small dog park. I'm like, absolutely not. This is not, this is not for you. And it was a gigantic, let's see, what kind of dog was it? A really, really big dog that was getting all up in Benny's grill. And I hate to be that person, but I definitely was. I was like, hey, get down, (laughs) leave Benny alone. And the owner was nowhere to be found. And he like jumped up on me. I have like paw prints all down my back. I'm like, Trenton, get him off of me. It was a whole ordeal. But then we discovered, Trenton found this adorable video of a dog doing this course. I knew that dog shows were a thing, but then I discovered the Westminster dog show. It's like the national dog show where everyone brings they're like highly trained dogs and they go through this course. And I can't think of a better way a day than at the Westminster Dog Show. Can you imagine? The crowd is going wild for just these little dogs. And it's like, that's everyone's lives is like dog training. And like I said, the best people are the kind of people you'll find at the dog park. Anyway, not a lot going on, but just a quick little update for you. Um, Let's go ahead and get into the bulk of today's episode, though, because I have a lot to say, and it's probably going to be a little bit jumbled, which is totally fine. That's just how we're going to roll today. I have been getting a lot of questions from friends, audience members about what I do for work and about freelancing and about side hustles and just advice, which is funny because I really don't have that much experience, but I have done it a little bit. And I feel like it's also starting to become more of a hot topic for young adults. Like it's not as uncommon for people to want to have a side hustle or to freelance. So if you're kind of new to the game, I thought I would just kind of give a little bit of my story and what my journey has kind of looked like professionally. So if we're just starting from the very beginning, I started off as a florist at a grocery store and it was a full functioning flower shop and I had just dropped out of my first year of college or I guess I had just done a semester of college I had just dropped out and I dropped out because I just felt like I couldn't do it 
I just, it, I felt like I, it was the first time that I hadn't gotten like straight A's. Um, and it was, I felt like my identity had kind of been taken from me. I had always, school had been like, I hate to be that person, but school had been fairly easy. It just, it wasn't, I was never much of a schoolgirl, but I never had had to try very hard either. And then college really, really threw me for a loop. Like it does a lot of people. And so I, yeah, I straight up dropped out. Didn't even tell my parents. I just like got my money back, dropped out of all of my classes and told them that I wasn't going back. And honestly, props to them looking back because had my child come to me and I know that college isn't like a must for everyone anymore. I totally am on that bandwagon. In so many ways, I feel like college is a little bit of a scam for some people. For some careers, I feel that way. Um, Not for all, but my parents, I'm sure, were not thrilled. And they handled it amazingly. And it it was really, really hard, though, because I didn't have, like, a job lined up or really any plans, anything going on. And so I started looking for jobs, and the first one that I landed was this florist job. And I had never done anything flower wise. I'd always been kind of a creative person, an artistic person, loved working with my hands. And my little 18 year old self wanted nothing more than to do weddings, to do like flowers for weddings. And I got into it in a really big way. It was my life. I mean, it also helped that I wasn't in school for the first like couple months that I did flowers. Um, So yeah, that kind of, I would say it was a really, really hard point in my life, I also look back like professionally and I'm so, so grateful for it because it was, it wasn't my first real job because I had done, I mean, real job. I had done like lifeguarding and I taught swim lessons every summer, but it was the first time that I had been really, really pushed creatively and in a professional capacity. And it was the first time that I was like, I am so grateful to have something that I love to do for work. And it kind of cemented in me this belief that if at all possible, you should love what you do. I genuinely believe that. And I know that's coming from a place of privilege. And I've I've had episodes like this before, and I always want to make this clear. I do believe that having a job that you love is a privilege. Um, I also think it's definitely a worthy thing to aspire to. You spend so much time at work why not do something so fulfilling and something that lights you up and makes you happy? And for me, at first, before I found anything else, that was being a florist. And I'm so, so grateful for that time. And by the way, (laughs) this is just random. I was probably not, I was not a model employee by any stretch of the imagination. I had this funny full circle moment where I actually got to read the notes that my manager took on me when she was my manager. And a couple years later, I was the manager and I got to go back and read those notes. And this is like no shade. She was the sweetest girl having to deal with me, this little 18 year old. And she was like, Brecklin gets distracted so easily. You know, she doesn't focus very well. It's hard for her to, I don't know, finish her tasks, which is completely fair and just just to give you an idea of like what she was working with and but it really kind of helped me grow up and be like okay you know you do need to be here at this specific time and um 
I, it was for the, probably the first time I started taking ownership of my life and of things that I was doing. I had done that with like high school sports, but I had never done that in a professional capacity. And I actually ended up working at, I want to say, I ended up working four different florist jobs at three different places over the course of my entire college career. So for three, four years, I worked, yeah, I think I worked at almost every floral shop in the valley with with the exception of one and it was really really good for me one of them really kind of specialized in event planning and so that gave me a lot of education another one I started helping with social media for the first time and Pinterest and it just kind of but like I said throughout all of this I it just became more and more clear to me that doing something that you love is so beautiful and is possible but that you really have to put yourself out there. And when I was, I think back to one of these floral jobs that I did, it was an extremely well run floral business. This was not the grocery store one, which is great too. Um, But it was extremely well run. They were extremely organized. They were extremely professional. And it gave me kind of this insight into running a small business. And it was women led, women owned, women run, and just really inspired me and kind of gave me an insight to like, oh, doing something creatively professionally is not all fun and games. So much of it is like, frankly, brutal. It really, really is. I mean, I watched these women kind of build their business and yeah, there were days that we would be up until three, four in the morning. Sometimes you would get absolutely destroyed on event days, which I remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to do these huge weddings, these huge events. It's so fun to be there. Like, it's so fun to be in the mix of it. But like, your back is absolutely destroyed from carrying like buckets of water back and forth all day. Um, You're on your feet all day, every day. Um, Yeah, it really just is brutal. And while I was really enjoying the creative aspects of it and I was learning so much, even just about working with clients, it got to the point where, you know, at this point, you know, we're talking the end of college. I decided, you know, you know I love flowers. This has been great. I was about to graduate with a degree in journalism and, and public relations. And so, you know, you get to this point where you're like, okay, I don't actually know that I want a career where... I'm on my feet 24-7 and it's exhausting and it really was like very physically taxing. So I loved it, but I was like, okay, it's time to pivot. And I think that, I think having the courage and the presence of mind to pivot in a professional capacity is so important, but pivoting is terrifying. I was so, so scared to do anything other than flowers because that's what I knew It was my college job. I loved it. I was passionate about it, but I just kind of had this gut feeling that I was like, this part is done. Like flowers are done. It's time to move on. It's time to do something else. And I decided to pivot. And at that time I was about to get married, about to graduate college. And I found this photography course for like food creators. It was a food photography course online. It wasn't through my school. It wasn't through my program. And I was like, I think this might be it. And I spent a lot of money on it. Probably like, I want to say like $900, maybe $800 I spent on this food photography course. I took it over the summer while I was working. I remember talking to Trenton about it and being like, okay, this is quite a bit for us right now. 
but I really feel like this is important. And he was, I mean, he was chanting about it. He was great. He was like, I don't, I don't really understand that world, but go for it. And, and I did. And it totally changed everything for me. And here's the funny thing about it. I actually never went on to do exclusively food photography, but I started to become more confident in, in the area of food photography and content creation in general. And it put me in a position to where I was in class one day, last semester of college, you know, kind of thinking about this pivot that I knew that I needed to make. And my professor said, Hey, there are these bloggers that I know they came through Utah state. Um, I think really highly of them and they're looking for a social media manager and, I looked them up. I knew of them. I think I had been using their recipes actually for a while. And I decided to cold email them. And I actually didn't apply for the position of social media manager. I was like, hey, I am a food photographer. I would love to work with you. I would love to see how I can kind of help improve your content. Let me know if you have any interest. And here's my plug. I always give this plug, whether it's for podcasting, whether it's for small business, just putting yourself out there, trying to get hired, um, trying to get your foot in the door. Just always sell yourself so hard. And I don't think that that's something that we're taught to do enough. We're not taught enough to sell ourselves. And that sounds just awesome. (laughs) But I really do. I pitched it really, really hard. And did I have any professional food photography experience? No, but I, I thought I did a good job. And, you know, all of these things. Turns out, you know, I sent, I send off this email. I don't get a response for quite a while. And then I waked, I woke up one morning and I had this email from one of these bloggers and she said, Hey, I, we actually don't need a food photographer right now, but we looked at your Instagram we really like your style. We would love to interview you for um, Instagram manager. And I was like, okay, okay, like let's do this. Um, I was totally willing and we interviewed and I started like a month later. And it, that was another kind of like pivot moment that changed a lot for me. Like I said, I was a journalism graduate, so it wasn't too far out of the realm of what I was used to doing. It wasn't like crazy for me to start that, but it definitely was new. It was new territory for me, for sure. And that's another thing that I, you know, when people reach out and they're like, oh, I want to, you know, start this. I want to freelance. Because I started as a contractor and I'm still, I'm actually still a contractor for them right now. And it, so much of getting your foot in the door, you know, quote unquote, foot in the door is throwing yourself, (laughs) throwing yourself at things that you really don't quite even understand yet. Like I look back on some of the questions that I would ask these sweet women who decided to take a chance on me. And I'm sure that at times they were like, okay, this girl does not know what's going on. Like she's not, she's not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. And I wasn't, but I was pretty confident. And I had this confidence in myself that I could learn, I could pick things up, I knew I was scrappy, and I just, if I had confidence in myself in anything, it was that I was scrappy and that I could pick things up. And that has just served me so, so well. Because you get to this point where you realize, 
you know, after you've kind of thrown yourself at all of these opportunities and kind of had different experiences, you start to realize that no one knows what they're doing. Absolutely no one knows what they're doing. We are all just literally making it up as we go. And the more you understand that, the more empowered you become and the more willing you are to take risks. Um, And I feel like the ability to take risks is just such a huge part of being successful. So yeah, long story short, I started as an independent contractor and then um, in a couple more months, I'd been doing it for a while, had kind of hit my groove. They asked if I could do video food videography for them. And like I said, it's something I had done a little bit of, not a lot. I had mostly been focusing on this food photography thing and, um, you know, and managing this social media. And it was another one of those things where I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Like I'll send you a sample video and we'll decide on pricing and, you know, we'll go from there. And then that become, that became kind of my full-time thing managing and doing this food videography for a good while as an independent contractor and it was awesome you know I I got super real with it I got software to help me do invoicing and for the first time I was like a registered business and you know could take on clients in that way and it was just a really exciting like fun part of my life and I remember feeling like I did it like I made it at that point in my in in that point in my life all I really wanted was to do my own thing. And so I had, you know, quit my floral job after managing there for a while, which was a huge deal for me. And I was working from home and I could do my own schedule and just all of the things. And it was really, really exciting. I was making money and yeah, it was just a great time in my life. And just to kind of pivot again, I had, I had another pivot. Um, we decided that we were going to move out to grad school in in North Carolina. So um, it, there came to this point where I was like, okay, it's time to add on. It's time to add on. And that's another thing is one thing that I've learned is that you can handle so much more than you think you can. When I first started managing social media, it was all I could do to get 10 stories up a day and an Instagram post, sometimes two a day. And I was like, that's it. I'm booked up. That is all I can do. And you just get used to it. You get faster. And so if you're starting a job, starting a new thing, and you're like, this is taking me an impossibly long time. Like, there's no way I can do this sustainably. Keep at it for a while. And I don't want to be those one of those people that's like, hustle yourself into the ground. You know, you can always do more. But I do genuinely believe that you can do so much more. But it might just take you a second. Um, after a while I could do the food videography. I was shooting every day and doing social media and it was doable. It was totally doable. And, you know, then I decided to make a pivot and I ended up taking on another job. We decided that we wanted to add more income. Trenton was not going to be able to work during his program. They don't allow anyone in the program to work. And, and so I was suddenly in this position of being like, okay, it's time to to figure something else out, to add something else to not necessarily my resume, but kind of my experience because we need to bring in more cash. And I decided to put myself out there and I landed a job as a copywriter, um, an employee. I was no longer freelancing um, exclusively um, and it was a nine to five situation. I copyright for an incredible, incredible company. If you don't know them, they're called Serenoni Blankets. 
Um, they're local to Utah. Just the the most incredible company and copywriting for them has just been a dream. And kind of at this same time that I, you know, was starting to look for jobs and pre-copywriting, I decided that I really wanted to start a podcast. And, you know, that was another kind of creative endeavor that was just for me. And I think it's important to understand yourself and to understand what kind of worker you are. You may be, you know, a very, very good employee. You love to help. You love to collaborate. You're, you know, you're good with working on other people's schedules, things like that. Um, and I think you can do those things and it's also okay to know that you need to have things for you. And so for me, that's the podcast. And I started the podcast and, you know, I've been doing this nine to five thing. And probably like six months ago, I had this realization, kind of another pivot moment that realized that I wanted to take the podcast seriously and I wanted to take having my own brand seriously. And so that's just kind of, you know, a very long winded way of, of what my journey has looked like. So I'm currently, you know, a traditional nine to fiver working from home. I also do contract work for social media managing and simultaneously building my own, building my own brand, my own presence, trying to, I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, you can tell it's, it's clear to anyone that I'm trying to build a presence on social media. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's where I am right now. And I think it's good to be open and to be honest and transparent about goals and about processes. I started the podcast a year ago. It's been a very slow roll. Um, and building a social media presence has been even slower. But I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, talk about what's worked for me, what I've kind of learned. Because I think, you know, apart from freelancing, there are so many people who genuinely have a passion. They want to be serious about it. Um, whether or not you want to monetize it, I, I genuinely feel like having a presence on social media is fairly vital at this point. Um, to getting your name out in any capacity, it just, you know, you have to just kind of bite the bullet and do it. And, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about is Instagram going away? Is TikTok, TikTok going to take over? Um, I think I'm pretty confident in saying Instagram is not going to go away. I think TikTok will only continue to grow um, both as a source of income and just as kind of the preferred social media, but I don't think Instagram is going away. I think if anything, it will become more of a consumer platform. Um, people will eventually start paying regularly for, you know, subscriptions to, you know, exclusive content from their favorite creators. I do think it's going that way. And so I think eventually there will be a point where you don't need to have a massive following to be able to monetize your Instagram content. You could be making UGC content full-time for a small audience, but with high dividends. And um, that's just kind of a, a random tangent. I do think Instagram is headed that way. Um, but long story short, I do think that Instagram is here to stay. And here are some things that I've learned as I've started to create on Instagram. The first thing is that it takes a second to not feel so cringe. I had been doing the podcast for probably like a good, I don't know, honestly, probably like a good year before I was like, okay, okay, it's time. Like I've got to bite the bullet. I've got to, 
get on Instagram. I've got to take it seriously. And one of the first things that I did to take it seriously was reels. And it was a really, really slow start. I think I did like a Christmas craft one and then like four months went by and I would do another one. And then three months would go by and then I would do another one. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, why am I not growing? Um, Because, you know, I want this platform to grow so that people can discover the podcast. I want to grow the audience. And I'm finally to the point where, you know, clearly you can tell I'm making probably three to four to sometimes five reels a week and putting it out there and trying to grow. And it's been a very vulnerable place to be for me. It's, you know, it's what I do professionally for other people, but I've never done it for myself. And it's a good place to be. I think it's taught me a lot about myself. It's also a hard place to be. And if you are a creator, if you've ever had to try to build a following, I just want to let you know that you are not alone in feeling like it's hard. It is hard. And I don't want to be one of those people that are like, the algorithm just makes it so hard, but it really does. Like the algorithm right now is is out of control. And as far as what I'm doing to kind of try to not beat the algorithm, but work with the algorithm is I am just trying all of the things. The way that I see Instagram right now and reels and, you know, creating, working to to create a bigger audience is it's like shooting free throws. Love that I use that analogy because I, (laughs) I am not a basketball girl. Wish I was. It was a dream the ship sailed, but it's like shooting free throws. You shoot and shoot and shoot and you make these minor adjustments. You know, you flick your wrist harder, you get more of an arc, you watch the inside of the hoop. Like there are all of these things that you can do to kind of micro adjust. And unfortunately, I just feel like that's the name of the game right now. So if you are feeling like you're trying to build an audience, you don't know where to start, your reels aren't going anywhere, just keep making them. Just keep pumping them out. At this point, I wouldn't say that it's quantity over quality, but in a sense, it kind of is. Um, The other thing that I've started to do is try to change my relationship with Instagram so that I'm using it as a tool and not just a way to pass the time. And what I mean by that is I feel like I spent a lot of time before I really got serious. I spent a lot of time just scrolling. And I mean, that's what everyone does, right? That's what Instagram is designed to make you do is to scroll and scroll and scroll. But if you want to be a serious creator, a big part of that is kind of taking a step back and using Instagram as a creator and not spending so much time scrolling and more time creating and interacting. And when I'm on Instagram, I'm more in the mindset of what should I be doing while I'm on here to connect with an audience or to bring value and And that has been a game changer for me. I have started to even look at my For You page a little differently instead of being like, oh, you know, I'll click on this and I'll watch this. And it's more like, okay, why am I drawn to these reels? What's making me click this one over this one? You know, how can I adjust that to fit my own content? Um, You know, what value are they bringing? What value can I bring? And, And yeah, that's, I don't know. I think becoming more scientific about it has really helped me. And, and also being willing to play the long game because it is going to be a long game. I, like I said, I've said this before, I think it's rare that people just blow up. Um, It happens, but it's not necessarily, like I said, it's like free throws. It's not necessarily this gigantic gap of skill at times. I think it can be. I think 
sometimes there really is not a super solid rhyme or reason or even like conscious effort that you can put forward to have the reel that goes viral and gains you a huge following, right? I think it really is the quantity. The more you put out, the more likely you are to kind of hit that sweet spot and to understand and to be able to make the micro adjustments, right? Like it's like when you're in that sweet spot where you can just hit them over and over and over. And that's rare. I think that's really hard to come by, but the more you put out, the easier it is to get to that place. Um, Let's see, look at my notes, see what else we had. I'm just babbling. I get so into this stuff. Um, Oh, the other thing that I wanted to address was for anyone starting out who just feels like it's too cringe, they just can't. I am with you. I remember talking with friends when Reels first came out and I was like, I could not be one of those people who's out there dancing, like pointing and then, you know, the little blurb comes up. I just, I can't do that. Like it's too cringe. And here's what I have to say about cringe. First of all, the more I am cringed out by something, the more I realize that it usually has something to do with me. Like if I'm having secondhand embarrassment for someone it's generally, it says more about me than it does about them. Unfortunately, I've come to the unfortunate conclusion. Um, And at the same time, I do feel like if you really just kind of own it, it's not cringe. Like, I feel like I've gotten more open and shared more. Like, for a while, guys, I was so scared to even show my face on Instagram. It just was too much. Like, the thought of filming myself and putting it on Instagram for anyone to see, like, it it was, it's so much, it was so much easier for me to, like, post a cute picture where I had, like, control of my angles, right, or I, I felt like it got so much easier for me to put myself out there once I kind of let go of the fact that I could not control the way that people perceived me, and that was a very scary place to get to because, like I said, I avoided it for months. I was like, I know that I need to show my face because that's how I'm going to connect with new people who might not know me. That's just the name of the game. Like human interest is such an integral part of content creation. And I just wasn't willing to insert myself into my own, you know, quote unquote brand. And I think the more confident that I've become, um, the easier it's been. And so I feel like the more familiar you are with yourself and more confident you are with yourself, your brand will just kind of come about automatically. Does that make sense? I feel like in so many ways you are your brand and if you are not confident yet enough to recommend your services or I keep saying brand, it's such a buzzword, but your services or your value or whatever you're bringing to the table, if you're not confident enough to show up that way, people will be able to tell And they like, it's like the same concept as this. I mean, this totally changed my life when someone told me this. I wish I, I wish I could remember where I heard it. Um, And it was every second that you're interacting with someone, you are giving, you are writing their manual for how they get to treat you. And I think the same goes with business. The way you interact with an audience or the way you interact with a customer base is giving them a manual of how they can interact with and perceive not necessarily perceive, but interact with your brand, right? And so I think confidence is truly going to be key in in helping them understand that. And so if it takes you a while to get more confident, 
that's fine. Let it take a while. It took me like nine months before I was willing to show my face. And that's okay. That was the time that I needed to gather my confidence, to kind of pull myself together. And now it's easier for me to promote myself, to promote the podcast, to promote my brand um, than it was. And and so I think it's okay that it's really, really hard at the beginning and you feel so cringy. Um, Okay, now on to just kind of some like practical things that have really helped me. If you're looking to get into content creation, um, if you're helping out with social media, whatever you're doing, here are just a couple of tools that I have loved and that have really helped me. First of all, I want to say this because this took me a really long time to come to grips with. If you want to make money, you are going to need to spend money. Whether that's a course, whether that's a nicer camera, whether it's a lens, whether it's a program, whether it's you know a course to help you understand the program, I just invest in yourself and don't be embarrassed to invest in yourself. I remember being so afraid to, I don't know, to even take that first food photography course, even though it changed everything for me. I was so nervous to spend that kind of money on me and it, I almost just didn't feel like I was worth it. And so here, if I were to be your hype girl about one thing today, it would be that you're worth it. You're worth investing in, you're worth the education. So just You just kind of have to bite the bullet and do it, unfortunately. But learn how to use things like Adobe Premiere for video editing or Lightroom for photo editing. Learn how to use a camera. Take a couple courses. Look on YouTube, but you don't have to pay for it. But invest in yourself, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's education. Um, HoneyBook has been really great for me. If you are actually already working with clients, HoneyBook was great for things like invoicing. It was super easy. I am not a numbers girl. I knew that if I had to keep track of things, I would drop the ball. So I paid for HoneyBook. Um, That worked great for me come tax season. It was easy to access all of my records. Um, uh, Yeah, it made it really easy to invoice. So HoneyBook, I always recommend if you're already freelancing or if you're doing something like that, HoneyBook is great. Canva, I know everyone probably knows about Canva, but if you're not familiar with Canva, this is your sign because Canva is the best thing to ever happen to content creators. If you can't afford to get the premium Canva, I would go for it and just spend time on it. Just figure out how to use it in little increments, spend 15 minutes. I'm still figuring out Canva. I'm definitely not an expert. Um, it just It's just one of those base skills that if you are in the business of content creating, you need to learn how to use Canva. You just do for most, for most situations. Um, and there's my pep talk. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else that I would like highly recommend. Oh, I guess the other thing I would recommend is to reach out to people and, and ask questions and find a community that will support you that can answer your questions. Because at this point, I feel like we're all clear that we're not doing like the mean girl thing around here. Like it is community over competition and there's just, there's enough love to go around. And so ask someone, look, find someone who's doing what you want to do and ask them questions, take them out to lunch um, and learn from them and, and put yourself out there. I guess, yeah, that would probably be my ending like pep talk is feel free to like cold email people. I do it all the time for the podcast. If you can learn how to pitch yourself well, and when I say pitch yourself well, I mean like you need to sit down and consciously think of like what unique values am I bringing to the situation? Um, know how much you're worth, you know, Google rates, 
um, ask around, you know, so you can understand like what the industry is paying. Don't undersell yourself, actually. I'm just going off, guys. I could go all day about this. Do not undersell yourself. People are always going to want to pay you less than you're worth. So just expect that. People, it is very, very rare that people are going to be like, you know what? Let's pay you exactly what I think you're worth. So I would go into any creative situation where you're being paid knowing that they're trying to pay you less and just don't go for it. Just people will bring the value. Instead of dropping your prices, always add value. That's one of my just golden rules can never be broken. Never, ever drop your prices. If anything, raise your value. If people aren't buying from you, it's not because you're too expensive because that like those customers are always there. No matter the economy, the customers for your product are always there. But if the value isn't there, they're not going to pay for it, if that makes sense. So never drop your prices. Always aim high. One of my favorite quotes ever. Um, I'm always going to butcher this, but it's that every woman needs a woman in her life telling her to ask for more. So especially in the creative space, I do feel like creatives get kind of taken advantage of because they don't people don't understand the industry. They just want the job done. Um, and they think that they can just skimp you for the job. So don't go for it. Stand up for yourself and, and ask for what you're worth. And when in doubt, add value, do not drop your prices. Um, and yeah. And then I think honestly, those would be my very top tips. Um, I really appreciate anyone that's reached out with questions. I love to talk about it. Um, so please go ahead and keep DMing me. Um, I'm happy to share anything that I do know definitely not an expert. You can tell clearly I'm in in the trenches of this as well, but thank you for showing up and thank you for supporting my own creative endeavor. I appreciate you being here. Um, Like I said, reach out with any questions. I would love to chat. I would love for this to be a kind of a supportive community. So that is all I have for today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for supporting the bread and butter. Go ahead and leave a review, rate the podcast, and I will be back next week. Bye-bye.